Gary Renard Podcast, Episode 50. Welcome to the Gary Renard Podcast, Episode 50. Can you believe it? It's your up close and personal connection to Gary Renard. Or Gary R. Guru. He may be changing his name, but he'll still be Gary Renard, author of The Disappearance of the Universe, Your Immortal Reality, and The Incredible Love Has Forgotten No One. I'm Gene Bogart, podcast producer and Gary's co-host. Oh, the Choir of Angels, they welcomed me for a change. Well, that's kind of nice. I like that. But the real welcome is going to come to the real star of the show. Ladies and gentlemen, would you welcome him, please? The inimitable Gary Renard! Oh, please, don't stand up. They're all standing. Hey, how you doing, buddy? All right, Gare, how are you? Hey, it's happy anniversary to us, man. 50 episodes. Yeah, who'd have thunk it? I know, they said it wouldn't last. Actually, nobody said that, but it did last. Here we are, episode 50. It's quite a milestone. Yeah, uh, I remember we started like seven and a half years ago. I think it was uh, 2006, the fall. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, so, you know, it took us seven and a half years, but, you know, it's an average of about, you know, over seven a year. Yeah, yeah well, we had that. a bit of a gap while I was dead before I <laughs> No, I was only dead. Yeah. For, I was very briefly dead, but the recovery was taking a while. Yeah, we went for, uh, it was not a year, but I think we only did like one or two for, for a year or, you know, it, it was a definite slowdown in our pace at that point. Yeah, I really didn't expect you to live to be able to do 50 of these genes. But, it, uh, it, yeah, it, uh, you know, it, it, it was close. <laughs> but here we are. But, uh, like I say, everything's possible with the Holy Spirit. It's true. And uh, we've had a great time uh, doing these. Yeah. And, uh, and this, this is yeah. not our final one. I just want to get that off the bat right in the beginning here, <laughs> in case it's like, we've had a great time, but it's time to wrap it up. Although there may be a few people who want that, but no, most people would be happy to know. We absolutely intend to continue, hopefully even more frequently now that things are getting a little bit better uh, health-wise for me. And, uh, of course, you're, we're going to talk just briefly about your scheduling, because you are, as always, a very busy traveling man. Uh, but mostly in this episode, we're going we're gonna to just kind of look back at at the big picture of what what we've been doing as it turned out because you know when we came into the podcast right from the beginning we really didn't have a an agenda we didn't have a, a set plan we were just going to talk about you know your activities bring people up to date on a semi-regular basis about what you're doing a little bit about what i'm doing but mostly then take questions from for gary as they developed over our, our first episodes we didn't do questions and then after a short while we started taking questions from our listeners and addressing them in the shows. And it just sort of organically developed, really. We didn't have a plan. It's, but you know what? What I always hear from people, if there's one comment that we get over and over, it's like, folks like our, our, our funniness and our lightheartedness. 
and while still dealing with the sometimes, you know, intense study and, and, and concepts presented in A Course in Miracles. But they like the, the lightness of it, which really is the right way to approach what the Course is teaching. It says, you know, laughter is our way out of. The, it's the dream of seriousness that was locking us into the ego in the first place. So that's kind of a, what I would say has developed in our series of shows. If there's any one overriding principle, it's sort of rolling with it as it comes along, answering questions, seeing where, and, and letting the Holy Spirit lead the way. I mean, would you, you'd say that too, right? Absolutely. Now, uh, you and I met through the uh, Disappearance of the Universe group at Yahoo!, which I started about 11 years ago. It was right in the beginning. Uh, it had just yeah, started, yeah. It was the beginning, 2003, in the spring. And uh, you know, we discovered that we had all kinds of things uh, in common. We were both professional guitar players for 20 years. Mm -hmm. uh, we both had gotten into the course at the same time. Uh, we both graduated from high school the same year. We had, there were all these uh, similarities. So we hit it off and, and became friends. And then after about three years, in 2006, he said, you know, uh, maybe you should do a podcast and I'll show you what a high-tech guy I was. You know, he was like a podcast. What's that? You know, I had no idea uh, what it would be or how to do it. And so you came up with the uh, great idea that maybe we could do it together. And uh, I remember the first one. It was in the fall, 2006. And uh, we were probably a little bit more formal than yeah. we are now. Yeah. Uh, you brought that up before. It's like we were a little bit more stiff, a little bit more, uh, you know, uh, a little bit more formal. But we still had that sense of humor, which we used to have at the Yahoo Discussion Group. Like in those early years, we used to have a really good time at the Yahoo Discussion Group. All kinds of jokes, all mm -hmm. kinds of funny stuff as well as sticking to A Course in Miracles, which certainly most people don't stick to A Course in Miracles. But we always have, including uh, the podcast. It's just that we'd like to be a little light about it. And so we started doing the podcast, and maybe we weren't at the Yahoo discussion group as much after that. And because of that, you know, I'll go back there every now and then, and I notice that they have gotten way too serious oh. <laughs> at uh, the Yahoo discussion group. I mean, you know, compared to the early days when we used to have a really good time and laugh, uh, you don't see too much of that uh, anymore. It's like they're taking it way too damn seriously. Ah. So and, is this uh, a little? Is this a directive uh, coming from the uh, the guru himself here that maybe the group ought to be lightening up a little? Absolutely. We should go back to more like we used to be. Uh, in the early days, you know, uh, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, and just lighten up a bit, you know. I mean, and they'll get so serious now. Now they'll take the course literally. It's like uh, they'll take that line, you know, I need do nothing, and they'll get it all wrong because the operative word there is need. Right. You know, it's not that you don't do anything yeah. in the world. As long as you're here, you're going to do something. I mean, even doing nothing is doing something. Right. So it's like... Uh, they take that to mean that you're not supposed to do anything. Right. You know, so I'll go on uh, the group and I'll say, well, you know, Cindy and I just recorded, uh, you know, an audio CD called Meditations for Couples. And inevitably somebody will come on and say, well, you know, that's specialness and you shouldn't do anything. <laughs> 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 and it's like, uh, you know, they, they just can't lighten up most of them. Oh. Uh, you know, and I have a couple of uh, close friends who used to go there all the time who have kind of like gravitated away from uh, going there. So my message to the group would be, you know, 
you know, you got to lighten up a little bit. I mean, you're just taking everything way too seriously. And uh, you got to remember to laugh. As the Course would say, you know, into eternity, where all is one, there crept a tiny mad idea where the Son of God remembered not to laugh. Well, uh, they're going to have to remember to laugh. Yeah. Or else uh, they're just going to take everything so seriously that they're not getting that enlightenment is about lightening up partly. And uh, the Course talks about, and we've said this before, but I think it bears repeating, you know, the Course talks about a happy dream. Mm-hmm. You know, it talks about being a happy learner. Uh, one of the ten characteristics of a teacher of God is joy. And, uh, you know, people don't hear everything that you and I say <laughs> to each other, but we might talk for half an hour or an hour before we do this, and inevitably we'll end up laughing <laughs> quite a oh, bit. That's what it usually turns into. If you think we sound silly on the podcast, you should hear the, <laughs> the, the silliness that precedes them. Uh, we, we generally, as a structural thing, we kind of don't... If there's something we want to talk about in the podcast, we don't talk about that beforehand because I like it to be fresh. We both do, uh, so that's if if these uh, shows sound unrehearsed, I assure you they are <laughs> completely unrehearsed. So we usually will get our other chatter out of the way first, so we don't get too distracted by talking about some current events or or whatever. Uh, you know, or the, oh, I got to tell you about this guitar riff or you know so that type of stuff because it's it's not all that interesting to anybody but you and me. So we do get into a lot of like ridiculously silly laughter. But that in itself is a good thing. You know, we mentioned that today a little bit. It's like, you know, and everyone knows this. I mean, you read any kind of medical stuff that laughter is healing and healthy. It, it In every way, it stimulates endorphins. It stimulates respiration and deeper breathing. It just the physical act of laughing is a good thing for your body. It's a good thing to be doing. So aside from that, though, it's also good spiritually because as we see, I, I agree with you, as we know, 100% on this. If you're taking the course seriously, you're you're doing it wrong. You don't get it because the course assures you that seriousness is the problem. It's like <laughs> I sound like Reagan. It's like it's not that the problem is seriousness. Seriousness is the problem, but it is. It it it's taking it seriously. Now it doesn't mean that you don't do it diligently. There's got to be a better word. Uh, I I tell if I try to talk to people about this, I I never want to say I take the course very seriously. Wrong word. But I I take the course. What's the word? I'm looking very conscientiously. I mean, you know, I live it. And, and I'm only alive because of it, quite honestly. And so this is this is my path. And I, I see where it says over and over and over that joy and happiness and laughter are the key to getting this. And, and that seriousness is the downfall. Uh, the lesson from yesterday was God being love is also happiness, the workbook lesson. And it's all about that. Uh, you know, to fear God is to be afraid of joy. So... You know how how much clearer could that be? So yeah, when people take something overly seriously, you're 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 that's the ego directing you. That's not the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. So uh, I think we made our point. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I well, that, you know uh, what though, I I'm gonna I haven't been on the the DU group for a while, and uh, you just I've had uh, not avoiding it. Just had you know other things and other activities and my own personal stuff, and you know, but other activities going on. And but I I miss that, and I I'm going to uh, make appearances more regularly and try to inject a little levity over there. I think that's a good idea. Uh, lately, the only times I've gone there is just to make announcements. Because it's difficult to say anything there without somebody judging you and making you wrong. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that is definitely not the purpose of A Course in Miracles. Uh, yeah. The purpose 
of the Course in Miracles is not to enable you to spot the ego in somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the purpose of it is for you to spot the ego in yourself and forgive it by forgiving what you were judging and change that into forgiveness. And, of course, ultimately you're the one who's being forgiven, but at first it looks like you're forgiving somebody else, but it's always you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as soon as somebody points out the ego in somebody else, I know that they're not getting it. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's not about uh, being superior or about, uh, you know, uh, trying to fix somebody else or trying to change the world or anything like that. It's about, as the Course says, uh, seeking to change your mind about the world. Mm. And uh, if you do that, then you can start thinking with the Holy Spirit instead of the ego. And one of the most important aspects of that is that you can stop making it real. You know, it's like uh, there was a time, you know, back like, oh, 2006, uh, 2007, when these other Course in Miracles teachers who call themselves teachers were really trying to get me. <laughs> you know, they were really trying to hurt me. And uh, there was kind of was a concerted really, effort among a, a few people back then to target you for some reason. Yeah, and uh, I was fairly new at it, and I was, you know, upset for a while. And then Arden Persis started doing uh, the third book with me. And, of course, uh, my three books take place over a very long period of time. You know, they span, uh, like, from you know, the end of 1992 to the beginning of 2013. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that, that's a long time, and uh, like 21 years. And uh, when they did the third book, they really started to bring home the fact that uh, you're not supposed to make it real. You know, don't make it real. So if I was upset at what was going on, you know, six, seven years ago, it had to be because I was making it real, because if I wasn't making it real, I wouldn't be upset. Mm. So you start thinking with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit says, well, look, you're making it real, and there's no need for that. You can choose again, you know, you can, uh, you know, choose literally reality. You know, it's like uh, we're doing podcast number 50, and, uh, you know, it says, the miracle compares what you have made with creation, accepting what is in accord with it as true, and rejecting what is out of accord as false. Well, when it talks about what you have made, it's talking about the entire universe of time and space, bodies, anything that has a shape or a form, right. compares what you have made with creation. Well, creation is reality. It's heaven. It's spirit, with a capital S. It's the same as God, Christ, at the level of spirit. That's all synonymous. And when the Course says, be vigilant only for God and his kingdom, well, if I was making it real, I was making uh, or trying to make what I had made, which is the universe, trying to make it real. And what the Course is saying is, uh, no, uh, the only thing that you should be believing in is God, or God and His kingdom. So then I learned to kind of like withdraw my belief from the world and put that belief where it belongs, which is with God or Spirit or whatever you want to call it. It's all perfect oneness, just like the Course's uh, definition of heaven, you know, the awareness of perfect oneness. And when I stopped making it real and switched to believing only in God in his kingdom, I realized that I wasn't upset. <laughs> yeah. So it, it is a simple choice, but it's a very profound choice if you can stop giving truth to your illusions, as the Course puts it, and you know, instead give your illusions to the truth. And you know, this uh, is... all the difference in the world. 
there's also like I think a parallel here with with what you said just a little while ago uh, in terms of need do nothing compared to do nothing. So it's not saying to do nothing in the world, but it says need you you need do nothing. There's nothing you're required to do, which and that's making it real. So it's the same thing with any kind of a problem. It doesn't mean you don't see something happening, but it means you don't make it real. You you know you you can see the shift, and that's kind of if you think about it, that's very much what, as the course tells us how the Holy Spirit thinks. The Holy Spirit sees the errors, but never acknowledges them as having any reality. So that's why the Holy Spirit acts as a purification process uh, for us. We we bring the illusion to the Holy Spirit who acknowledges it, yes, I, I see what seems to be a cancer. I see what seems to be a, a negative person with a hateful way, whatever it may be. I see that, and it's nothing. I shine it away. The Holy, And if you bring it to the Holy Spirit, it is literally gone, and, and it can be gone from you, too. So it doesn't mean you don't see it. I see a, you know, there's a beast seeming to be stinging my hand, but I realize there's no bee and there's no physical body here to be hurt. You know, it's an illusion and I can release it as an illusion because I don't need to try to make it real. So it's that little pivot and that's everything. The little pivot is the whole deal, really. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, people, when they say that line, I need to nothing, they very seldom quote the next line. Uh, it says to uh, to do anything involves the body. So if you think that you need to do something, then by definition you're making the body real, you're making the separation real, you're making everything real that isn't real, if you really think you need to do something. But if you need to do nothing, then you're not making it real, you're not making the body real. So it, it always comes back to that choice, and the Course certainly you know, says it a thousand different ways. Yeah. But it always comes back to that choice between reality and unreality. And being in the world, but not of it. Meaning that you seem to be in the world, but you know it's not real. You know I'm not, I'm not actually here. I, it does look like I am, and it seems like I am. The body is giving me all sorts of sensory in, input that would seem to try to convince me that it's all real, but now I choose to see it a different way, that it's not. You know, and and as long as we appear to be walking around in, in these animated meat bags, you know, w for some reason we're not ready yet to be done with them, or we wouldn't still think we were here. But we're constantly making, if we're making the right choice, every step is another step closer to awakening and coming out of the dream. But we do that incrementally as we deny the reality. And we still deal with it. You know, it still seems to be a body. It's still going to need to sleep and be bathed and be fed and eliminate and do all the things that bodies need to do or get surgery or take medication or whatever. You know, you do what the body seems to require, but never for a moment think that it's real or feel that you need to do anything. And, you know, and then you've pretty well solved it. Now it's just a just a matter of time, <laughs> you know, and then time goes away and everything's perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's great. And uh, by the way, we mentioned in the last podcast that uh, you know the fifty podcasts that we've done uh, correlate to the fifty miracles principles <laughs> at well, the beginning. We had suggested that, <laughs> and uh, then uh, you know we realized you know it take a lot of work to talk about <laughs> all the fifty of those and to line them all up. I remember uh, I was listening to uh, Ken Wapnick once, and this is the first podcast we've done. Uh, since Ken Wapnick made his transition. Is and, it, or did, uh, did we talk about it in the last one? I'm trying to remember. Uh, you know, I don't know. I think you're right, though. I think this may be the first one. Certainly worth talking about. We, you know, it's he's one of those, he's such a larger-than-life character, to use that phrase, but, 
you know, he's like someone you, 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 it doesn't seem like he's gone. Every time I see a quote from him on the web somewhere, it's like he's still there, still speaking that. There's a timelessness about him. I think that he just embodied that. Yeah. Yeah, I think we may have talked about him in the last one, but I just wanted to say that uh, talking about the uh, 50 Miracles Principles, uh, I heard Ken, <laughs> he was going to talk about the 50 Miracles Principles. That was the theme of his talk and workshop. And he said, we will get to all 50 of them. Uh, we may get to the last 44 in the last hour. <laughs> but we may, we may get to all 50. We're going to get to all 50 of them. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's very difficult to cover all 50 in, uh, you know, a relatively short period of time. But uh, remembering our first uh, podcast, you know, if you look at uh, Miracle Principle number one, which really says it all, there is no order of difficulty in miracles. Mm-hmm. One is not harder or bigger than another. They're all the same. Well, the reason they're all the same is because everything that we forgive is not true. Yeah. So you can't make a distinction between the supposedly big thing over here that's supposed to be forgiven uh, and this little thing over here that you think you need to forgive because <laughs> here, here, one is true. Here's one thing that does not exist at all. Now, here's something that even more does not exist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, that's why there is no order of difficulty uh, in miracles. And it reminds me that ever since we started doing this, uh, we really have tried to stick to the course when we talk about the course. Yeah. And, I, I think uh, we have. I, I, I think we can pretty well uh, pat each other on the back a little bit. And, and you know, we've heard this from so many listeners through emails and stuff over the years. It's, you know, what, what, what people really like, they like the humor and the spontaneity and the silliness and the crazy stuff we talk about. But they say, I like it when you guys talk about the course. You really talk the course. You don't, you don't go off and try to blend the course into other things. It's always strictly to that. And I think we've done a good job because it's really what you and I, one of the great things we had in common right from the beginning is that we both feel that way. We're both real purists about this. I mean, the course is what the course is. You don't have to interpret it. It says it right there. Maybe you can clarify things for people and explain things in a way that opens it up a little. But when in doubt, go back to the course. Read that because it's right. It's correct. Uh, we've seen it over and over and over. So we never seek to uh, to shift or change that or apply it where it doesn't doesn't belong. Yeah, it's like uh, I could say, well, and you know, uh, number 39 says the miracle dissolves error because the Holy Spirit identifies error as false or unreal. Then I could say, and you know, look at the Enneagram, for example. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's like apples and oranges. You know, and I've read books by course teachers, or, you know, they think they're course teachers, and they'll talk about all these other things. And uh, that's cool if you're using it as an example uh, for forgiveness. Because uh, Arden Purser and I, in the books, we do talk a lot about different things. The difference is that, uh, if you look carefully, they always bring the conversation back around to forgiveness. Yeah. Because that's what the course is all about. So, yeah, I mean, if if they appeared to uh, somebody else, they would talk about what that person is interested in, because that's where that person is putting their energy, and that's where that person is going to find their forgiveness lessons, their forgiveness opportunities. So whoever they appeared to, uh, if they did appear to somebody else, which they said they wouldn't because they didn't want other people changing their message or changing what they say. But however the Holy Spirit shows up for you, uh, the Holy Spirit will be with you, with your illusions, uh, as you said earlier, seeing them, but without believing in them, Yeah. and will counsel you as to how to forgive that. But it's not that they're not going to 
recognize your illusions. It's not that the Holy Spirit is not going to recognize your illusions or try to take them away from you, because the Holy Spirit doesn't make any demands. The Holy Spirit is simply reminding you that what you're seeing is not true, and that it's okay to forgive it and put your faith and your belief uh, where it belongs, which is with God. And wherever you put your belief, that is what is going to have power. You know, if you put your belief in the world and in illusions, they will have power over you, because you are making them real, and that gives them the power to hurt you and to make you feel bad. But if you put your belief where it belongs, which is God and his kingdom, then the world can't hurt you, because you're not putting that power in it. You're not giving it power through your belief. You're putting your your belief in something that you can depend on that will always be there and will always be the same, where, you know, what we thought was true is never the same, because it's always shifting and changing. Uh, But, you know, when we say there is no order of difficulty in miracles, one is not harder or bigger than another. They are all the same. It reminds me of what uh, you know Jesus said to Helen uh, one New Year's Day. He said, "Make this year different by making it all the same." Mm-hmm. You know, so it's possible to forgive anything because it is all the same because none of it's true. You know, the Holy Spirit really is—it's a, a, a passive uh, device, if I want to use that term. Uh, the Holy Spirit always relies on our making the choice. As you just said, the Holy Spirit never comes in and forces you to do something. You have to choose it. Um, this is something I say over and over at the on-course study group in a lot of my commentary. It's willingness. And really, if it's just willingness alone, that's all you need. If you are willing in every instance to turn it over to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is there just waiting for that. You just say, and that's the little pivot we talked about earlier. Here's something, should I react to this? And then if you say, I'm willing to have the Holy Spirit see this for me, and instantly it becomes clear. But unless you do that, unless you open the willingness to it, it won't happen. The Holy Spirit will never come in and say, hey, no, no, wait, you don't want to do that. It doesn't work. You've always, you're always the one in charge. It's always, I have invented the world I see. It's up to me and that, that's for every... Somebody took issue with... They said they thought in one of our previous podcasts, I, I, I read the Riot Act by, by one of our listeners, that, uh, uh, oh, you made it all about you. You think you're so special. I said, you really missed my point. <laughs> when I, when I really said... Am. I think I was... I, I said I had had a big revelation about Gary. I've decided I'm the one. I'm the one responsible for this entire world. It's all me. And, and then, though, I went on to say, and what I just said is equally true for anyone else. Everyone who hears it, you can say to yourself, it's it's all me. And it's always true, because it's always me, whoever me thinks me self to be, that's the one who's creating it. That's true of everybody. And as we begin to, re- that's why we realize there's only one of us doing this. It's all, whenever we say I am, it's the same I who is saying that. And the Holy Spirit is just the part of that that sits back and says, when you're willing to see the big picture and not see the illusion and not give it any value or or reality anymore, there I'll give you. I, I have. I'm holding the power for you. You just come and you you come drink from the cup, but you have to come and do the drinking. So uh, yeah, yeah, willingness. Willingness is you know you need do nothing, but you do have to be willing, and that's a being, not a doing. <laughs> Right. If you're willing to listen to the Holy Spirit and take on the Holy Spirit's interpretation of things, then you don't have to worry about what somebody else is doing. Right. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, you know, course students are so worried about somebody else making it special, yeah. and you know, they're just making it real by 
doing that. And uh, what they got to get is that there's nobody out there. You know, there's nobody out there to yeah. to make it special. There's there's nobody out there that's doing uh, what you think they're doing because it's all in your mind. It's all your projection. Uh, the the world isn't being made by somebody else. You know, it's being made by you. All that I do, I'm doing to myself. And to anyone else, all that you do, you're doing to yourself. And that self is the same self. One, of course, gives you the capital S, self. That's the one that we are all doing to our self. So, yes, light... And uh, that's the secret of salvation, according yeah. to the court. Yeah. Is, but that you were doing this to yourself. Yeah. And... Uh, you know, this is one of the things that I like to do when I go to other countries. Like, uh, you know, I'm leaving for Japan. Yeah, uh, we, uh, I said we're not going to do too much stuff, but with the one we are going to do, the current events, is to let people know, yeah, as we're recording this, you will be leaving the following day. Uh, we're going to, hopefully, this... <laughs> <laughs> this podcast will, some of mine have taken a while to get the editing done, and then like, you know, six months later, the podcast gets released. There's a lot of work that happens after our our joyful recording session. But yeah, as we're doing this, you're just about to leave for a very exciting trip that I hope you'll talk a little about, and you're going to, oh, wait a second, to make sure I have this properly set up. Oh, 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 wait, 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 wait. Why is the computer not working for me? Uh, hold on. <laughs> It's not fair if I only had an engineer. Okay, Gary is taking a trip to Japan. <laughs> I had that ready for you. Okay. <laughs> so. Great. You know, uh, Cindy and I were at a, a Buddhist temple in Hawaii once, and they have this huge bell that you can ring. Uh huh. And it sounded just like that, oh, like there. a big gong. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And uh, uh, one of the reasons that I like to go to places. Like, this would be my second trip to Japan, be Cindy's first, so she's really mm -hmm. excited. Oh, good. And, uh, you know, it's like every culture, every country seems to have their own take on the course. Mm. And, uh, you know, there are uh, usually pretty good translations of the course because they were all trained by Ken Wapnick for years to, to really get every science, get the meaning of it. Yeah. Right. Uh, my translations, most of them are good. A few of them haven't been good. But uh, that's the chance you take when you have your book translated. But uh, I was in England last year with Cindy. We did a, a weekend workshop out in the countryside with Ian Patrick. And by the way, congratulations to the Miracle Center in London. Uh, they're celebrating their 20th anniversary. Wow, cool. This year. So good for them and keep up the good work. But I was there and uh, there was this Japanese guy that was there. And he had both of my first two books that had been translated into Japanese, and he was reading them, and he, he also had the English versions mm -hmm. that he was reading, and uh, it was fun. He had me sign the Japanese versions, but uh, I noticed this when I was in Japan the first time, and also in speaking with him, that they think that the Course is primarily Buddhist. Ah. That's, their, that's their take on it. Yeah. And I have said that uh, you know the Course actually may have more in common with Buddhism than it does with uh, Christianity, even though it uses Christian terminology to speak to a Western audience. Right. Uh, they, the translators, you know, they'll kind of like put a little Buddhist spin on it, because that's you know, what they're used to, and there's definitely Buddhism in the Course. Uh, but they'll say, so the Course is like Buddhism, right? And I'll say, well, not exactly. <laughs> there are definitely differences between Buddhism and A Course in Miracles. Mm -hmm. and there are things that the Course would agree with. Uh, for example... You know, Buddha would say, 
well, you know, if you didn't have desire, you know, if you didn't want something, then you wouldn't suffer because the reason you're suffering is because you can't get what you want. Right. If you didn't want it, then you wouldn't suffer. (laughs) It's like need, need do, need have, yeah. Absolutely. So it's like uh, there are similarities. It's just that Buddhism doesn't go all the way to God. Right. And it doesn't make that fundamental choice between reality and unreality. At some point, it does recognize the world as an illusion, uh, as does Hinduism even more than in Taoism and and Shintoism and things like that. But uh, even though they they, uh, understand some of the Course, they very seldom go all the way with it, and they very seldom stop making it real. So one of the reasons that I like to go to these countries is that I can emphasize to them that the Course is saying this, saying, look, uh, you get to stop thinking with the ego. you got to start thinking with the Holy Spirit. Stop making it real. And if you take your power away from the world and put it with God, then you can take the third step to spiritual sight and kind of like look beyond the veil and think of everybody and everything as being this perfect spirit that is totally innocent, not just part of it, but all of it. Right. Exactly the same as God. And uh, most of them aren't getting that, even with the good translations of the Course that they have. So that's one of the reasons that I like to go yeah. uh, to these countries. It's, you know, I'm not just going as a sightseer. And, and right, I'm, not saying, right. I'm not saying that uh, when we take the bullet train from Tokyo to Kyoto that we won't go see the temples. Ah. You know, uh, oh, Kyoto's full of, of beautiful temples. Yeah. Some of them are Buddhist and some of them are Shinto. Yeah, they have one uh, temple there that is completely made of gold. <laughs> and it's wow. just uh, unbelievable to see all this stuff, and so then people will say, oh, you're making that real, and you're making it that special, and what they don't understand about the people who build these things, and and this is also true of uh, the great cathedrals and uh, basilicas that you find in Europe. Oh, yeah, same same idea. uh, The reason that people work on these things their whole lives is simply because uh, that's their way of worshiping God. Yeah. You know, they're, they're taking whatever gift they have and giving it to God. Which is why I say to people, you know, a great spiritual gift isn't a gift that is given to you. Uh, it's a gift that you give to the Holy Spirit. Mm. You know, that's a spiritual gift, because you're saying to the Holy Spirit, okay, uh, you be in charge of this, uh, you know, you direct me. You know, it's like uh, one of the classic lines at the end of the course in the workbook, you know, this holy incident do I give to you. Uh, be you in charge, right. for I would follow you knowing that your direction gives me peace. When you put the Holy Spirit in charge and, and use it for His power and for His purposes instead of your own, it's going to lead to uh, good things. It's going to lead you to peace. And that's a spiritual gift, because now uh, the people who were building that cathedral in Europe, uh, in most cases, they knew that they wouldn't even be alive to see the completion right. of, of the building of that you know, cathedral. Cause they it they wanted to be years. part of it, a part of the legacy of it, yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, it could take 80 to 120 years, uh, you know, just to complete the building, and even then it wouldn't be finished. And uh, that was their way of worshiping God, and uh, the people who built these temples, that was their way of worshiping a higher power. So it wasn't about them, it wasn't about them uh, being special or even the building being special. Uh, what was special was that higher power, or God, and everything else we were doing was just in the service of the Holy Spirit. So it's really a different way 
of looking at whatever gift you have, if you give it to the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit to be in charge of how you use it, because then uh, you're not on your own. And not only that, but when you're not on your own and you join with the Holy Spirit, you're actually undoing the idea of separation and specialness right. instead of reinforcing it. So uh, it's really a different way of looking at it. It's almost... I go to some pretty uh, wild places, like uh, <laughs> in the fall, in November, we are actually going to do a workshop in Colombia, in uh, Medellin, <laughs> Colombia, ah. which used to be uh, owned practically by uh, the great uh, drug lord there. I yeah. I call him great. Yeah, Medellin uh, was kind of the drug capital of, of Colombia, you know, probably not the greatest, although it's a, it's a beautiful city. From uh, A friend of mine uh, was married at one time to a, a lady from there, and she said, oh, it's, it's really nice, but the whole drug thing was just so rampant. I, I don't know if it still is or not, but uh, it was... A, uh, not you know, as much, no. no. The Medellin uh, cartels uh, really kind of like got disbanded after they arrested that uh, drug lord, Pablo something. Oh, yeah, okay. I keep, keep forgetting his name. Uh, and I'm told that, uh, be, you know, since we'll have you know a lot of people who know the place, because we have a lot of Spanish friends, and, uh, you know, I'm told it'll be okay. Now, we've been to Colombia before. We've been to Bogota. Uh-huh. And I, all these people would say, oh, you can't go there. You know, it's, it's dangerous. And we went there, and we felt totally safe. Yeah, and uh, it was like no problem, and, and it was beautiful. And uh, we went to a nightclub one night, and I write about it in the third book. I mean, those people know how to have a good time; <laughs> <laughs> they really do. And uh, they don't have to—they uh, don't have this obsession about them, like uh, young people in America, because uh, drinking is taboo up until a certain age. When they get a chance to drink, then they binge drink. Yeah, yeah. You know, they really go overboard. Uh, they don't do that in South America. There's, you know, not really any limit as to when you can drink. So uh, they learn how they they take it easy. They do things in moderation. I, I've seen uh, young people get together, like at the hotel where I was staying in uh, in Rio, for example. And uh, these kids are having a good time. Yeah, they're drinking, but they're talking with each other. They're actually communicating. They're eating good food. Yeah. You know, they don't have that uh, mentality where they have to get someplace fast and take over the world. <laughs> you know, they're very happy being right where they are. And uh, I think one of the things that forgiveness does is that it relaxes you a little bit. It kind of like takes the stress out of everything. Oh, for sure, yeah. And uh, you know, makes you realize, well, you know, I, I can just uh, enjoy right now. And you know, I don't have to worry about what's going to happen next year. You know, if, and if something bad happens, you know, supposedly bad, well... I'm big enough to handle it because I know how to forgive, and uh, I don't have to be at the effect of it, and I, I don't I don't have to make it real. So it's a different way of doing things. And when when I go to these different countries, they'll all have their different take. Uh, you know, uh, we did a thing in Mexico in March that was a great thing. In fact, it's uh, one of the biggest things we've done. There were like 500 people there mm. uh, in person. There were another thousand on the internet. And we were with, with this uh, popular Spanish teacher of the course named Enrique, and I can't pronounce his last name, but mm-hmm. uh, he's, he's a fun guy, has a great sense of humor, which is why I like him. And he tells some really funny stories. And he gets the course mostly right, you know, not 100%, but I've, I've never seen anybody other than Ken uh, who always gets it 100% right. I mean, And I'm glad that uh, his work is still available to people. I haven't seen some of it, like he has 
a collection of little books about Shakespeare where he takes several of Shakespeare's plays and explains them in terms of A Course in Miracles. Mm. Uh, Another new thing, because he was working on these things before uh, he passed away, there's uh, A Journey Through the Text. You know, most people know about A Journey Through the Workbook, but there's also A Journey Through the Text, and it's available on DVD. So you can see Ken uh, explaining, even if you just look at the overview on the first DVD, it's probably one of the most magnificent explanations of the Course of Miracles that you'll ever hear. Hmm. So even though, uh, you know, he'll be missed, and uh, I'll miss him, the thing is, you know, this work is always going to be available to people, so I'll always be kind of like pointing people uh, in his direction. I don't know what the future of the Foundation for A Course of Miracles uh, in Temecula is going to be, because they don't know. Ah. You know, they haven't really decided. They are doing a, a presentation, another workshop, with the other teachers yeah. there, who I've met before, like Jeffrey Siebert and uh, Rosemary Lasasso. And uh, there's another one who I haven't met. But they are going to be doing workshops. I guess they're going to see how it goes, and they'll make a decision in the future. I, I know that uh, they're not going to keep you know, their magazine going there, uh, the Lighthouse newsletter. Oh, no kidding. Uh, yeah, they just sent out the last issue, and that was a tribute to Ken. They didn't actually put on a, a tribute to Ken uh, in person because they didn't think that was the kind of thing that he'd be into. Yeah. But they did let people send in their kind of like uh, memories and eulogies and reflections on Ken. And if you go to their website, uh, org, you can see those. I wrote a tribute to Ken earlier than that. Yeah, so I had read that. That was really oh, nice. Thank you. That was all over uh, the Internet. So uh, They didn't include me uh, in the lighthouse, but you can see all of these you know, wonderful things. And you start to realize that's just scratching the surface of the number of people whose uh, lives oh, yeah. you know, yeah. can affect it. But uh, when it comes to what I was talking about, other countries, I like to go into the country, realize the spin that they're giving the course, yeah. kind of like say, well, you know, actually, that's partially true, but this is what the course is really saying. And, uh, you know, doing that is something that I really enjoy. Well, two, so, two things uh, real quick I wanted to say with Ken. Uh, you were saying as there's a lot of material that hasn't even been released yet, so it'll be somewhat, he'll be like Jimi Hendrix where even many years after his death, there'll still be new releases coming out of stuff we haven't even experienced. <laughs> seriously, because uh, in a far different way. <clears throat> but when someone is that prolific in, in what they have generated, and, and especially since so much of his stuff was recorded, I've, I, I haven't seen the DVDs per se, but I've watched a lot of his stuff on YouTube, readily available, readily, and just, just you know, Google Ken Wapnick or, or ACIM, uh, and it's amazing, you know, I mean, because he was prolific and he just, you know, really just gave so much detail. So that's there. The thing I was going to suggest um, when I, when you were talking about your upcoming uh, trip to Japan and now you were just talking about going to other countries in general. Um, in Japan, will you have a translator as well? Because I know many people speak English, but I'm assuming many don't. Do they have a translator working live with you? Yeah. Uh, whenever I go to a country that speaks a foreign language, I always have a translator. Uh, usually we do what's called uh, a uh, consecutive translation. That's where I'll speak, you know, just two or three sentences, yeah. stop, and the translator will repeat what I just said. Uh, that's a little bit more difficult because you have to change your style a little bit and right. you have to remember what you just said. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's kind like, of that's uh, the only way to do it right. 
I guess yeah. unless you did like UN where there was headphones simultaneous, but I mean that's... Yeah, I've, I've done that uh, as well. I've done that a few times. Yeah. Uh, they they call that a simultaneous translation. Uh-huh. And the people have their earphones, and, and I kind of like gone away from that because inevitably something goes wrong with the equipment. Yeah. You know, <laughs> One more thing. <laughs> then you'll have several people raising their hands saying they can't hear. Yeah. You know, and it's it's very distracting. So I find it simpler and, and easier and perhaps even better uh, because even when you do a, a simultaneous translation, then the translator has to keep up with you. Right. And if your example uh, is speaking English and the translator is speaking Spanish, well, it takes a lot more words to say something right. in Spanish. Right, different, different pace, in, yeah. In English. So then they have to try to keep up with you, and they can't always do that. And I find it better to just, uh, you know, so... You know, like this year will be in Germany, uh, you know, Switzerland, uh, Finland, places like that. Maybe Holland, haven't decided yet. Uh, already been to Mexico, be going to Colombia. Uh, you know, it'll be always the case where I'll, you know, speak a few sentences, stop, and, and let them. And I found that when I do that, you kind of like get into a rhythm yeah, uh, yeah. with the translator. It's almost like music. Uh, you you kind of get used to the pace right. and what the other person is like, and then it starts to flow. And people who do speak both English and uh, their uh, native language, they have told me that they actually like it better because they get to hear the same thing two different ways. Oh, sure, and yeah. It, it well, sinks in even more. So that's, that's, that's what I was going to say, and I don't know if, if I'm making a good suggestion for you or if you already do this. You were talking earlier about the nuances that are like when people translate the course itself or they translate your work, and uh, try as they may, they may not, un- unless they're under Ken's direction or someone who, who knows the little nuances and they can question okay when when this word is used is it more like this kind of meaning or does it really you know and get the little tiny uh, the, the the essences down just right is that something you can do with it with your translator have them know that as you you say what you're saying and as they go to say it in japanese in this case coming up um if there's anything in here that you feel uh, should I be translating it in this direction or that direction, that they should ask you that while we're doing it, uh, Gary, just so, it, do you mean more that the Holy Spirit is a being or that the Holy Spirit is a, a reflection of, of God's truth and, you know, or whatever, and then you can say, oh, okay, it really means this, and then the translation is more accurate and the discussion itself has been helpful. Do you do things like that as well? Yeah, I do that a little bit, but uh, I've realized uh, as you go along, you really are uh, very dependent on the translator. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you know, you have to kind of like trust yeah. the translator. And I, usually there's somebody there who speaks English, and I'll ask them, well, you know, do you think that we're really getting it and that the translator is really saying what I'm saying? Yeah. And But, yeah, putting uh, maybe a little spin on it in your culture. And usually it goes very well. Uh not always, like once when I was in Holland, uh, the translator was repeating what I was saying, supposedly, and after about 15 minutes, somebody raised their hand, who spoke both English and Dutch, and said, uh, Gary, I'm sorry, but that person is not saying what you're saying. Ah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when I heard that, I actually replaced the translator with this person who, who said that, <laughs> <laughs> because uh, she was also a translator, and she realized... And then it turned out that this person, who is the translator, who had been hired by this person who was running the workshop, this person didn't realize that the person that she was hiring was kind of like with a cult. Oh, <laughs> no there. kidding. So it was a... 
And she was a mole. To, uh, yeah, the translator was trying to uh, put their his guru's uh, ideas into the people's heads <laughs> instead of A Course in Miracles. So, you know, you just never know. There's never a dull moment when so you're... On the road, the ego never sleeps. Right. Yeah, you know, I, no. I, you know, as you know, we've talked about it. We, we really hate it when people try to blend the course with other types of stuff, you know. And it reminded me of that when you brought up uh, Miracle Principle thirty nine, because I realized in numerology, if you add the three and the nine, you get twelve, and then you add the one and the two, you get three. And three, of course, is the symbol of the Trinity. So it really proves that the course is all about God. You see, so. <laughs> So numerology has a place in the course. I'm kidding. I don't want anyone to misunderstand. But I mean, that's that's the sort. And I'm not picking on numerologists, but that's the kind of thing where people try to conflate and blend, where there is no blending <laughs> to be done here. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and I have noticed uh, things that are true about numerology, just like astrology. But as Arden Persis said about astrology, it simply corresponds to the script. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a script that's been written. It's not predictive, and, uh, but it's ex- explanatory. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, like, there'll be a lot of heavy things happening tonight uh, in the sky. I just noticed that, you know, this is the closest Mars would have been, you know, to the Earth in uh, about six years, and there's a total eclipse of the moon at the same time. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, when those things happen, something important tends to happen. You know, let's hope that, uh, you know, the Ukraine doesn't go into civil war or something, which looks oh, like it could happen. I know. And it's like, uh, you know, just uh, big things seem to happen that correlate to big things happening in the sky. But once again, it just correlates to the script. Now, uh, people should realize when the Course says that the script is written, uh, those who are to meet shall meet. Well, those first two lines, that's the ego script. Because what happens in the world, you know, that... Whatever happens in the world, that's the ego script. Right. So the Course says another line right after that. After it says, the script is written, those who are to meet shall meet because together they have the potential for a holy relationship. So now the Course takes that idea of the script and transforms it suddenly into the idea that, yes, you're going to meet who you're going to meet, but together you have the potential for a holy relationship, which is really the point. That That's the only real purpose of meeting somebody, and all the rest is just kind of like what happens. And what happens is the ego script, but how you look at it with the Holy Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit script. And you switch from the ego script to the Holy Spirit script by changing your mind and by choosing once again. So uh, I thought that was a very you know subtle but very clever shift the way that the Course did that, because now it's saying, look, what's going to happen is going to happen, but you have the power to make turn it into a holy relationship with your forgiveness. And the Course says that the holy relationship is the forgiven relationship. So we have the ability to take whatever the world shows us and turn that into something holy by thinking of it with the Holy Spirit instead of the ego. And ultimately the Course teaches that that's your real power in this world, is to look at it differently and to look at it says you can decide to see it right. You know, you can decide to see it with the Holy Spirit instead of the ego. And that's where our real power lies. That's really our only power. You know, the Course will always say that, too, is that the one thing you can do is choose. You can choose where you're going to place your belief. You're going to choose where you're going to place your your efforts, if you will, but but ultimately, simply your acknowledgement of reality. And, and it all boils down to there's what's real, meaning what's of God, 
And then there's everything else that's not real. And that's why going back to the beginning is the order of magnitude in miracles. It doesn't matter. Is there a little something that's completely not real, doesn't even exist, it's not there? Or is it a really big something that's completely not there? Either way, it's completely not there. You know, so, and then you're choosing between any or all of that and the only thing that is actually real. And that's the power you have. That's the only power you have. And fortunately, it's the only power you need. Once you choose what's real, when you when you make that final choice to completely only acknowledge and see and believe what's real, then there's nothing else to be worried about, ever. Yeah, and uh, you can't underestimate what belief can do. It's uh, everything, yeah, yeah. It's like at one point uh, the Course says, you know, you who made the ego by believing the unbelievable. Yeah. And, you know, as we did, uh, we believed the unbelievable. And, of course, it, it emphasized at one point, it says the ego is unbelievable. Yeah. And, you know, if you believe in it, then you're just asking for it. <laughs> you just ask yeah. to be at the mercy of something unstable, where uh, God is always stable. The truth is constant. It's not going to change. Uh, the truth was the truth 2,000 years ago. It's still the same today. And the truth will be the truth 2,000 years from now because it's a constant, and it doesn't change. So, you know, that's the difference between building your house on the sand or on the rock. Yeah. I should talk about, put, you know, building my house upon the sand, because I live in Southern California, ah. and we've had a couple of earthquakes lately, and uh, it makes you realize, you know, we really are built on the sand here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you can't put your faith or your belief in it, but you can enjoy it while it lasts. That's true. Of every, you know, there's no place on, you, you. your teachers refer to it as psycho planet, and quite rightly, uh, there's no place here that's safe. People who, you know, you think, well, the Midwest is nice and stable, and then there's a, a deadly drought, or there's fires, or there's mudslides, or floods, and we have the potential of devastating hurricanes in the southeast, and you've got earthquakes and mudslides and, and mountains on fire out west, and then the north is, is a new ice age going on. It The planet is nuts. And real quickly, I thought of this earlier. Doesn't it appear to you, does it feel the same way that, that there's an acceleration of the madness that we seem to be seeing? And maybe that's connected with somewhat of an, of an equal balancing acceleration of forgiveness. While more and more people are beginning to see the forgiven world, the world or the ego responds by making the illusion seem more, more violent and more psychotic. Does that, does that seem to be happening to you as well? Yeah, but I think a lot of that is uh, connected to uh, the weather. It's like uh, as the ocean temperatures warm, oh, oh, yeah, it's no. going to make uh, all the storms yeah. more severe. Well, that's kind of what I mean, though. The planet is more volatile. The planet is more more dangerous, and 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 politically, and as you said before about p- potential situation in Ukraine, and I mean, it, it's like, doesn't it seem like there's more of it going on? And even as we forgive it more and more, it it ups its game, meaning the ego's illusion ups its game. Let me make it more threatening. Let me make it more unstable, more worrisome for you. And then you go, well, I'll forgive all of that. I mean, eventually it'll come to a head. And eventually we'll forgive it all. And then we'll say, oh, again, none of it was real. Did it seem more violent than non-reality? Or was it a more peaceful non-reality? But either way, it was never real. But it it does seem increasingly so more than it had been not too long ago. Yeah, I, I think one of the uh, things the ego loves is that it's different. And if it's different, yeah. uh, then it induces more fear. Right. Uh, I don't think that when it comes to... Uh, 
politics or, or war, I don't think that, uh, with the exception of nuclear weapons, that uh, we're in any more trouble today, and maybe not as much trouble as we were back in the 1930s and the 1940s. Yeah, you know, yeah. cer- certainly the the problems that people faced then were much worse than what the people in general in the world have to face today. People live longer today than they ever did, which actually proves that they're safer than they ever were. But when our cities begin to be flooded, yeah, you know, then uh, people are going to really get scared because they'll realize that, well, you know, maybe it's too late to reverse this thing. You know, if people wait for absolute proof like that, and, you know, they have the same amount of water in good weather in New York City as they had during Hurricane Sandy, then uh, people are, are going to realize, hey, maybe uh, we've gone too far here. Yeah. And uh, at that point, you know, it may be too late to really reverse the effects. And that could be catastrophic all over the world. It's going to disrupt uh, civilization, really. Yeah. And, and you can forgive that, too. It's just that... Uh, and there's no difference. There's no, you know, as we said before, there's no order of magnitude in this. So global catastrophe, quite honestly, global catastrophe or a hangnail, it's, there's no difference. They're both nothing. That's true. I know one seems to be a lot harder to take, but I think, and I'm not saying either of us have gotten to that level yet, but when one has gotten to a level of truly getting this, of really seeing the real world, really seeing the happy dream, it, it, it truly doesn't matter. You you look you know if you were the last person on earth looking out at the flaming molten lava that has overtaken everything as this as the hellscape is about to envelop you you'd go that's really some dream and the same as if you were looking at a broken fingernail I mean if you were at that level it truly wouldn't matter because you would see none of that is real because when, when you awaken from a nightmare does it matter if it was a little nightmare or the most horrifying one you ever had you wake up and you go wow what a weird dream. And and it you know and unless you're completely psychotic you don't let it ruin your day you know yeah yeah it reminds me of the way you described it uh, I saw this movie recently uh, Pompeii oh and, uh, another but, uplifting uh, topic I hadn't seen that one yeah yet. yeah it's about, you know Mount Vesuvius erupting and right, what happened right. in the city and everything and it has a great ending uh, <laughs> because there's this catastrophic ending and there's this cool guy in there and he's he's uh, he's totally fearless and he kind of like uh, at the end, it has a great ending, which I won't give away, but the last shot of the movie is really quite incredible. And this guy is fearless and, and kind of like uh, shows another person you know, how to be fearless as this you know, catastrophic thing is happening. And it just reminded me of that. It is possible to forgive no matter what's happening. Yeah. You know, like if we have an earthquake here and, and the place is in shambles, and if we survive, which is no, there's no guarantee, but if, if we survive... I think that I could look upon the rubble and forgive it yeah. and say, oh, well, you know, had a good time in California. Maybe I should try Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go go to a place that's not likely to have any kind of uh, seismic problems or volcanoes. Yeah, Hawaii, that sounds good. Or hurricanes. <laughs> yeah, or, 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 yeah. Yeah, I don't. But, I know uh, you don't want to. You don't want to give away the ending of the movie Pompeii. But just let me ask you, Gary, did it have anything to do with a volcanic eruption? <laughs> just guessing. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was definitely connected to that. I remember the movie, you probably remember it too, from our, our childhood. It was always on TV all the time in the 50s, uh, The Last Days of Pompeii. Do you remember that one? Oh, I sure do. Yeah. yeah. Was that I Victor Mature? That. I don't know if he was in that. He might have been. He should have been. It was his kind of movie. But yeah, same yeah. same thing. But, yeah, I love a happy ending. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
That and but, Titanic. Uh, yeah, speaking okay. of happy endings, uh, I have to get ready to go here. That's right, because you're traveling There's, tomorrow. Uh, we covered that. Uh, we. Yep. I'm glad we talked about the origins of our show here. It was uh, it was an interesting kind of a little mini retrospective, as usually as unprepared and as casually approached as everything it is that we do on these shows. But uh, yeah, it it has been a, a a great run. I like the way the show our, our our podcast has just sort of organically developed. You know, it's very natural. We don't have to worry about what are we doing or special features or you know we just it it what happens is what's supposed to happen. And honestly, all kidding aside we've always felt that it is there's uh the holy spirit is is in some way directing us it's just unfolding things and we always of course have to choose and and we're the ones as we said that always have to be willing to be led but when you are willing you get led to the right places and i think that has happened in all of our shows we've seen some amazing things that almost seemed like coincidence that isn't it funny how that came up or we'll talk about something in the show and now we talk well there'll be a big volcano following our show who knew you know so i don't know but <laughs> i'm kidding i'm not bringing that on but uh i i like the way it has developed and our future programs will continue in the same path i i assure everyone everyone. Yeah, and it's been uh, really helpful to me. Like, people listen to the podcast uh, all over the world, and I'm uh, better known in a lot of the countries that I go to because of the podcast. Uh-huh. It's all, it's, it also helps to, uh, you know, share A Course in Miracles with people, and, you know, people come up to me, and I'm, I'm really happy that you make all 50 podcasts available to everybody so you can go back and listen to them, because yeah, people are... have... Uh, come up to me and said, yeah, I've listened to all 50 podcasts. <laughs> and I'm saying, you know, on the one hand, I, I say, hey, that, that's great. You know, and, and on the other hand, I'll say, well, you know, maybe you should get a life. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, and you don't mean people who over the years have listened to You mean like this week, <laughs> you know, so I just discovered yeah, it. And, yeah, like yeah. Uh, they'll listen, uh, you know, over the course of a month. Yeah. They'll listen yeah. one or two a day and actually listen to all 50. And I'm glad that you make them available. We've always uh, made the podcast available for free. You know, if we if we charge this two or three dollars, uh, we'd have a lot of money by now. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, that's okay. You know, because that's not why we did it. We did it uh, to share the course with people and share my books with people, and uh, it's worked. You know, it, it's really uh, been very helpful. And at the end of the day, that's all you got to ask. You know, is it helpful? And uh, I think that the podcast has been helpful. And I have you to thank for that. So, uh, you know, thank you very much, buddy. And I really appreciate it. Well, I, I had the germ of the idea, but it, it developed from both of us. I, I do more work afterwards than you do. I, I, I'll take credit for that. You don't do the technically stuff that I do, but, uh, sure. but the content is, is absolutely, if not both of us, it's more you because it's, it's, it is after all the Gary Renard podcast only produced and co-hosted by Gene Bogart. So, uh, but, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I get a lot from people who say that they like the the synergy between us that in other words we're not like we're not teaching two different things and presenting both points of view we we really share the same point of view we always have i mean as we said before we are very purist about about the course and what its teachings are so yeah your books and your presentations deal with that 100 percent. and in the shows we you know we just bounce ideas off of each other but they're always reflective back of the same source material uh and it, it is great i think that there is a, a lot of valuable stuff here and it's been valuable for you and i as well i mean, 
mean, obviously, you know, you you teach what you want to learn and you present what you want to be hearing presented back and you can refine it further and understand it more deeply. So that has worked as well, I believe, for you and I, as it has for anyone who's ever heard these shows. So we're all one. Our listeners, we always feel like we're doing this with people here with us while we're doing these things. And I still feel that way. So that's that's a great thing to be doing. Yes. So uh, on that note, I, I got to run. But okay. uh, love, love to you and Helen and the kitties. Ah, thank uh, you. You are now you are now calling yourselves the uh, Feline Five. The the Feline Five, because it's actually five. we we have become a cat rescue operation, and we know all we know about Boots and Willie, and then we have our our new baby who's just about a year old now. He showed up at our door as a four month old feral very infested little guy and uh we got he had worms and fleas and all sorts of stuff going on and out of a lot of a lot of care and and taking care mostly done by helen but i do my share when i can uh and he's doing great now little sparky's just over a year old he's got we haven't been able to weigh him but he's huge gar the guy he's like a little dog he's like 20 pounds or so he's massive and he's not fat he's just a solid guy jet black gorgeous gorgeous he's like black velvet and uh, a real sweet guy. He, uh, you know, his, he's still a little skittish, even with me having been feral for for the four, first four months of his life. With Helen, he's the most affectionate being I have ever seen. He just devours her with kisses and nuzzles. He just goes crazy over her. But he's very playful and friendly and, and, a, and a sweet guy. And then there's the two outdoor truly feral cats who who as adults gravitated to us and are are now living in our backyard constantly and being fed regularly and well so five all of them rescued kitties and uh and they're all doing very well so it's a wonderful thing yeah we're very lucky with luna uh, too she just turned a year old uh, yeah that's and, right she's uh, a year old now and she's really playful and, and you know uh i wouldn't case, i wouldn't say she's a lap cat but she's really fun and uh i've seen photos of her in your lap though yeah. Yeah, well, yes, once in a while, and and she's beautiful, and uh, you know most cats, you know, and I was always a dog person most of my life. Yeah, but in uh, most cats, I noticed they kind of like had the attitude where <laughs> it was like they expected something from you. <laughs> and, the uh, the catitude. Well, that reminds me. Uh, do you know what the difference is between a dog and a cat? No. Uh, a dog is thinking, "Oh wow, these people, they take care of me, they feed me, you know, they love me." Uh, you know, and and they they do all these things for me. Man, they must be gods. <laughs> you know, and and but the way a cat sees it is, oh, these people, uh, they love me, they feed me, they take care of me, they do all kinds of things for me. I must be a god. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's pretty accurate, actually. <laughs> and uh, that's why you know, in ancient Egypt, they they actually believed that cats were gods. Yeah. And who knows, maybe they are, because they have that attitude. Yeah. You know, they, they know that they're supposed to have the best seat in the house. Yeah. <laughs> Cats are very self-actualized, that's for sure. Yeah, but it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, so... Anyway, uh, I know you're going to roll here. I'm going to. I'll be doing a little wrap up after we get off. Oh, I just wanted to quickly mention because I, I we don't want to go into it in big detail here, but uh, we had we've talked in the past about some financial issues that we've been dealing with on our end here, stemming from uh, my medical crisis. From some, uh, it's going to be three years this summer. 
So um, I, let me share one thing here real quickly, and I'll, I'll make this very brief, I, I, and I've already told you this. I just recently had another CT scan, a CAT scan as they call it, talking about cats, um, at the hospital. They wanted to do this periodically following the surgery, which removed a tumor, as we've all talked about. Uh, the really blessed blessing for me in all this was this tumor that that essentially killed me but basically i barely uh, hung on to life and they uh, i won't go to the whole thing but it was a big deal the the blessing was that it was not a malignancy they were able to take it all out and and everything looked very clean at that time but they said the, it's not that this one could have spread but that you might have another one develop in the same way the first one did so they want to look at that. If it was found early, it would prevent me from having a near-death crisis with it and also be much easier to treat if it was very small. So that's why they looked. So we just had one done at the hospital, and it was completely clear. There was no sign of anything going on. So that's like that. I mean, that's the biggest news of all. So that, that was wonderful. I, and I really haven't talked about that publicly, so I wanted to share it here in this podcast. And I'll put some stuff on Forgiveness.tv and give you more details. But... Good news about that. The The issue is financial and still dealing back from debts from back then, and some of which have expanded, and I'll explain it all later. And then we talked about my eye problems because I'm losing my vision, and uh, but it's a cataract situation that can be fixed, but again, it's financial. So uh, you and I have talked about it. We we don't have the details down, but but we're going to do another kind of a fundraiser to hopefully be able to to bring some financial relief to Helen and I, so we can stay afloat and keep doing the work that we're all doing here. So I'll I'll mention some of that later. I just wanted to mention it, and and you were going to be letting some people know too. And again, we're just just touching on it right now, so that folks will know something like that is coming up, and and we'll see what the Holy Spirit will lay out in our path for us. Absolutely, and uh, I'll be there to let as many people know about it as I can, and I, I hope it's very successful. Okay, and and we'll have the details at at forgiveness TV. Uh, real quickly, I, I don't know. I'll do this while you're still on the line with me here, too. You know, we have our Facebook page for this podcast, this very podcast, the Gary Renard podcast and Forgiveness.tv. We have a Facebook page. If you're on Facebook, like our page. We have a lot of likes, many hundreds of likes, but, but the podcast reaches thousands of people all over the world. So please log on and give us a like on Facebook. We'll, then we can give you more updates of what we're doing. And maybe we can even, t you know, something I was thinking of, we have a lot of questions for Gary. We probably have more than we could ever get to, backlogged from a lot of older ones. Maybe we can start answering some of those, like on a blog at that Facebook page. We can select a couple of older questions and ones that we haven't had time to get to on the shows. We can we can do them in written form there. So again, log on to that. And if you listen to us, if you connect with the podcast on iTunes, as many many people do. A while ago, they changed, they did like a reboot of the system at Apple and iTunes, and it didn't change our podcast, it changed where they were sourced from on the web, but in doing so, we lost all of those nice reviews. We had accumulated a lot of good, you know, five-star reviews from people on our iTunes page talking about that they like the podcast, and that helps us with our ratings, so if you want to, I'd like to encourage people, if you enjoy the podcast, go to iTunes and write us up a nice review, give us a five-star rating or whatever you think we deserve if it's crummy just keep it to yourself but no but but i'd love to get that because we've all they say they can't give us a rating because not enough people have rated us well it used to be but then they took that away and we have to start from scratch on on our little reviews so please go to itunes and do that we really appreciate hearing that stuff and we read them all yes that's a great idea 
and uh, I know you're going to stay on a little longer. I'll, I'll come on and give everybody but... some some websites where they can get hold of you and check out your appearance page and all that and, and other updates. And so uh, I'll come right back and do that. But I know you got to run for now. We'll see you. Have a good one. And I love you guys. We'll see you. Uh, we love you, Gary. Thanks so much. And hey, pat on the back from all around for our uh, episode 50 here. This is a milestone. We're looking forward to the next 50 to come. Great. Thank you, man. The Gary Renard Podcast is produced by Enlighten Up Creations and released through Forgiveness.tv. Verbal content of our programs is copyright 2014. Gary Renard and Gene Bogart. All rights reserved. All grievances forgiven. Because it's all about forgiveness. It is. And for more information about Gary's books and appearances and everything else he's involved with, check out his website. You know, the one he named himself, GaryRenard.com And for more information about our podcasts, you can visit Forgiveness.tv, where you can also find out about the conference call that we did a little while ago that uh, a number of people have already heard. Some of you have not, and you now have the ability to do so, at least to hear the recording of it, which is now available, freely available for you. It's a little over two hours long, so it's lots of content. Gary is there. Cindy speaks quite a bit on this one. Cindy Laura Renard, and she has wonderful input there. Helen, my lovely wife, is also on board, as well as a whole bunch of people who are on the call with us. And you'll get to hear some of their questions and conversation. So if you haven't heard that yet, or even if you have, download a copy for yourself. You'll find out how to do that right there at Forgiveness.tv. And speaking of downloads, you can also now get, for the first time, an actual downloadable version of my recording, The End of Sacrifice. Up till now, only available on the actual CD, which you can still get, of course. But if you'd prefer a download version of it, you can get that link right there as well. So you can find out how to download the full studio recording of The End of Sacrifice, my reading from A Course in Miracles. And uh, Gary was kind enough to mention our new fundraising effort that Helen and I are involved with and that Gary is going to help spread the word about. You guys probably already know the situation that I've been dealing with. And, and now between the ongoing and increased medical bills then the, the balances that we're still kind of struggling with and the interest that goes along with much of the credit card debt that was used to pay for a lot of that, uh, then I also now have this problem with my eyes going on. So uh, it's it's always something here in this universe. But we're, we're struggling along as best we can. Uh, a lot of folks have helped us so far. And if anyone feels they're interested, just want to find out what it's about, or God bless you if you think you can help out too, please check it out. The link is right there at Forgiveness.tv. As we said, Gary is going to uh, make a wider mention of that to his overall email list. Uh, but you guys are now getting a quick heads up on that before that comes out right here in the podcast. So as always, God bless you all. We, we are so appreciative of it. Even just your, your kind words of encouragement mean an awful lot to us. So thank you so very much for that and for all of your help and your considerations and, and your prayers and, and best wishes. That means so much. This is Gene Bogart saying thank you so very much for everything, including for listening to our podcasts, all 50 of them up until this point, 50 podcasts. What a milestone. 
And uh, they will continue. We will have more coming out. And uh, uh, very quickly, I hope, I know I always say that, and a lot of times it takes a long time, but it, I think things are maybe turning around with that a bit, and uh, we should be able to churn them out a little quicker because we certainly have plenty more to talk about and discuss and present. So thank you all for being part of this journey, and the journey continues. So as it does, we want to continue on by leaving you at the end of this podcast with the reminder that I say every time, and it's true, I do mean it more than ever every time I say it, because I see it to be more and more true in my experience in life and into some way even beyond life. But trust me, it's true all the time that no matter what the situation or question, forgiveness is always the answer. what I'm going to say. But then again, I never do. I'm just going to dive right in and see what the Holy Spirit leads me toward. Okay. Good idea. We should we should get Mikey on some show just, you know, just because he deserves it. That would be cool. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. I'll bring that up to him. Okay. <laughs>